Praise the Lord. How many believe that? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. He's our helper, our strengthener. He is our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's the greater one who lives on the inside of us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that he can think through our mind, speak through our lips, and magnify Jesus in a way we never could without his help. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We receive your word with meekness. We humble ourselves for fresh revelation, fresh application of your word. We receive your word just like you're talking to us, and we'll not just be hearers only. We'll be doers. We'll act upon your word, and your word works mightily and effectually in every area of our lives. We thank you for working in us tonight, and we'll not leave here the same. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. You can sit down if you want to. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. Say that backwards. Wow. All right. Great. Got the smart people out tonight. <laughs> All right. Turn to Proverbs 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. And tonight we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects which is generosity. Wow. You knew the benefits of generosity. You'd break out with generosity like you've never done before. We're going to look at some of the benefits of generosity and what it does in your heart and what it does in your life. And so we're looking at Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. This scripture kind of threw me for a number of years. And because I kind of kept reading it over and over, finally I got some other translations. But Proverbs eleven twenty four in the King James Version, Proverbs eleven twenty four, the King James Version says, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than is meat, and it tends to poverty. Verse 25, it says the liberal soul, but for political reasons, we're going to change that. <clears throat> We know the word really here is generous. All right, so the generous soul shall be made fat or abundantly provided for, and he that watereth others shall be watered also himself. So here he's talking about generosity. There is it scatters and yet increases. There is it withholds more than is meat, and it tends to poverty or to lack. Well, we know it's not the will of God for us to be poor or to have lack. I heard a preacher years ago on the radio, and I argued with him the whole time he was preaching on the radio. He said, poor Jesus. He said, Jesus was very poor. He's talking about how poor he was. He said, poor Jesus, you know, he had to, he is so poor, he had to borrow a boat to preach out of. I said, well, I don't mean he's poor. I mean, the guy that can walk on the water don't need to borrow a boat. <laughs> Besides that, they loaned him the boat, and then he filled it up for him. Uh, so he went on and on. He's trying to prove Jesus poor. He said, poor Jesus, he said, he got buried in a borrowed tomb. I said, that don't mean he's poor. You know, it's a bad investment to buy a tomb for three days. <laughs> Besides that, after he was raised from the dead, they've been making money off that for the last 2,000 years. So, so poor Jesus. 
No, we know Jesus actually became poor the same place that he became sin on the cross. That's how he redeemed us from the curse of the law so that we could be blessed, blessed coming in, blessed going out. Amen? And then if you're poor, you're going to have a hard time giving to the poor because you is the poor. So I told people not too long ago, I said, how many of y'all got a stimulus check, you know? And people raised their hand. I said, well, I hope you're happy. I never got one. I said, I didn't get one because I got too much money. But I'm actually the one that paid for yours. <laughs> so don't thank the president. Come up and shake my hand afterwards. I paid for yours. <laughs> Where do you think the money came from anyway? It came from the rich people, not head. In other words, somebody's going to have to be rich, and I volunteered for the program. So... <laughs> So you're rich means abundantly provided for, so don't get too nervous, uh, with plenty to give away. And so he says here, one of the great keys uh, to increase and to the blessing of the Lord, he says there is that scatters and yet increases. There is that withholds more than is appropriate, and it tends to lack or to poverty. So you'd think if you held on to your money tighter, you'd have more money. Wouldn't you think that? Wouldn't that be the way you think? You know, you think, well, I, I need more money. So you think, I really need to hold on to my money tight. He said, well, if you hold on to your money too tight, you'll actually have less money. So I studied that for years, and the Lord said to me, he said, you know, poverty or lack does not come from money that you don't have. It comes from money that you do have that you shouldn't have. Lay hands on your head and say, Lord, help me right now. <laughs> because God don't think like people. Matter of fact, he tells you clearly, he said, I don't think like people. I don't think like white people. I don't think like African-American people or black people or Hispanic people or Asian people. God said, I don't think like no people. He said, my thoughts are much higher than your thoughts. He said, but if you want to think like me, he said, if you'll get the word out, it contains my thoughts. He said, if you started thinking like me, you'd get my results. Hmm. So I see how he's thinking here. He says, there is a scatters and yet increases. And he says, there's a withholds more than is meat and it tends to poverty. So I read some other translations and other translations say, one gives away and gets richer Another one keeps what he should give and is poorer. And then he says, um, the generous person, I see, shall be made what? Rich or abundantly provided for. And while he's helping others, he said, then I'll make sure you're taken care of, God said. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we'll look at this here because I think the Message Bible says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. In other words, God says when you're a generous giver, and the great thing about generosity is anybody can do it. All right, let's try it one more time. I said anybody can do it. Matter of fact, Jesus, when he was in church, you know, in the scriptures there in the gospels, he actually stood by the offering and made comments. Well, if he never changes, I believe he still watches. And he probably still makes comments. He's like, eh. Eh. 
We know how much you spend on your fingernails, toenails, <laughs> the rims you put on your car and your truck and your last trip to Disney World, and you're going to put that in? So Jesus watched the offering and made comments. <laughs> One thing about God is we know that he can see. Guy asked me one time, he said, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to be fine as long as God don't go blind. God can see, and we know it can count because he's got a book called Numbers. <laughs> and if he's going to multiply your seed song, he must be able to count. Amen? And so in this area, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. But notice this is very important. He said, the one who scatters or gives or the generous person actually is the one that increases. In other words, here's the way the Lord said it to me, and I've been thinking about this for 40 or 50 years. You say, why? Well, because when I left home, my daddy said, there is a God and I'm not him. You know what that meant? I will not be sending you no money. So he said, I encourage you to meet God. I'm like, all right, I'm planning on it. So, so to, to seek the Lord, to know his ways and his thoughts, and then in this area, you know, I didn't want to be a broke preacher. Amen? And sometimes when you talk about prosperity or finances, people say, well, that works for you because you're a preacher. And I'll say, great, well, come up here, let me ordain you tonight and see how it works for you. No, it don't work for preachers. Actually, God said it works for sowers, our givers. In other words, it's not always the best preacher. Come on, it's not always the one who's the best singer. It's actually the one who's the best giver that will get the best result. And God said, I did not design tithing or giving for you to decrease. All right, let's try that one more time. God said, I did not design tithing because how many of you came to church and they gave you the whole salvation thing that it's all free and everything? Then the next week they said, uh, can we talk to you about 10%? You're like, I thought it was free. <laughs> My dad, you know, he got a lot of people saved in his church and he would always baptize them, you know. And then uh, one guy, you know, was taking his wallet out, you know, before he got in the baptistry, you know. And so my dad said, uh, put that in there, we'll baptize that because you really are saved if your wallet's saved. And so when you understand about tithing or you understand about giving to the kingdom of God, to the work of God, then um, you're thinking 10% means I'm only going to have 90 then my daddy always taught us this. He said, you can tithe on what you make or tithe on what you want to make. Let's try that again. My daddy said, you can tithe on what you make or you can tithe on what you want to make. Well, I heard him teach that when I was just a kid growing up, started getting my first jobs, you know, mowing yards and working for mechanics. And, and uh, so I thought, well, here, I was, how much money I got made a dollar an hour. Well, I said, well, here's my tithe. <laughs> my daddy taught us to tithe. And uh, he would actually figure it for you if you didn't understand exactly how much it was. 
So he taught us to tithe, and he, <laughs> he might take it out for you. He says, tithe, and then he would say, now, how much offering are you going to give? I would say, none. <laughs> he already got part of it already. So my daddy said, no, the Bible teaches tithes and offerings. Hmm. So really, the offerings start after you tithe. So my daddy said, well, you can tithe what you make, tithe what you want to make. So really, anything you do over the 10% becomes in the offering department or in the sowing department. Ah, y'all still here? I thought it might get quiet at some point, but anyway. So in the sowing department or the offering or the generous department, really, as a tither, you're just telling God, I know this belongs to you, and I'm returning it back to you. I start generosity after I tithe. So when my dad taught that, I was just a teenager, and so I started double tithing. Then when me and Trina first got married, we didn't have much in the world. We could actually fit everything in my car. And uh, I told her before we got married, now my goal, <laughs> my goal has always been to be a triple tither, to give 30%. You said, where'd you get that from? Well, there's a preacher came to my dad's church named Kenneth E. Hagin. And he came to my dad's church when I was eight years old. And so I probably didn't pay a lot of attention at eight years old. But he came back over the years. And at 17, my dad and four deacons came and got me out of jail. So I figured it'd be a good time to start paying attention. <laughs> so I started seriously listening to Dad Hagin and following the word of faith and his teaching. And so Dad Hagin told the story about a man in his church. He said, this man in his church, he said he was a, a leader in the, in the church. He was, a, he was a good, had a good job, worked hard, a leader in the community. And this man always gave 30% of his income. Well, I was just a teenager when I heard him say, this man always gave 30% of his income. He said, and this guy got into an accident at work, and it didn't look like he's going to live. So Brother Hagen went to the hospital, and so this guy, the doctor said he's going to die. Brother Hagen, Dad Hagen, walked up and down the hallway saying, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. He said, he's a leader who serves in the church, and uh, you're the chief shepherd, I'm the under-shepherd, so I'm not going to let him die. He's a leader in the church, a leader in the community, and besides that, Lord, he gives 30% of his income. I need him. He said, if I need him, you need him, so I'm not going to let him die. Well, to keep the story short, uh, this guy had already gone to heaven, and he's up in heaven, and Jesus said, you can't stay up here. <laughs> and Jesus pulled back like a curtain, and he saw Pastor Hagen, or Dad Hagen at that time, saw him down there praying for him. He said, your pastor will not let you die. He's a leader. He serves. He gives 30%. I'm not going to let him die. I said, well, Lord, how would you pray for some people? Lord, they don't do nothing down here. Just keep them up there. We don't, we don't do nothing. <laughs> well, I was just a teenager, and I heard that story. Well, at that time, just as a teenager, I was a systematic 20% giver. And when Trent and I started dating and we were about to get married, I told her, my goal is to be a 30% giver. <laughs> 30%. I said, we're not going to have the best of nothing to start off with, but the Lord will provide. But we're going to make our generosity, our giving a priority. 
And if we'll keep our standard of giving high, God will make our standard of living high. We're just going to put our giving first. So um, the Lord spoke to me because I'd just gotten a, a, a pastor of the first church. They paid me $150 a week. And, um, and then the Lord said, when do you want to start giving 30%? And I said, well, Lord, this is not a good time. Man, I just got my wife. I mean, we got like little kid, little Aaron. Our little son showed up and our little daughter showed up. We didn't have no Obamacare. I mean, we didn't have no insurance. We have no health care. Either you get healed or you just die. And so, <laughs> so the Lord said, when would you like to start that 30%? I said, Lord, I mean, this is not a good time. Be reasonable. I'm already doing more than most people do. I'm 20%. You ought to be happy with that. He said, no, you're the one that decided you wanted to give 30%. I know it's not required. It was my desire. So some people may want to give more than other people because they may be expecting more than other people are expecting. So no rules. Come on, nobody has to do it. He said, when would you like to start? I said, no, it's not a good time. And he took me to Malachi, and these words jumped off of the page in Malachi. And it said, prove me now. Three words. I had seen those words for years, but they just never hit me quite the same way. When he said, prove me now, I said, you mean like now? <laughs> Come on, there's never a good time to start tithing. There's never a good time to start giving over and above your tithe. And sometimes you're saying, it's just not a good time. But God said, prove me now. I said, well, as a guy came into our church years ago, and he heard me preaching on the spirit of faith. And, and uh, after, after church, he came up and said, uh, he said, I like that preaching on the spirit of faith. He said, that makes me want to grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Now, this guy came right out of the swamp. I don't know if he killed alligators or something. I said, well, I never heard anybody say it like that, but that's pretty impressive. I grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Come on, every time the devil tells you you can't do something. All right, let's try this out over here. Every time the devil tells you you can't do something, and that's impossible, you say, hold it just a second. I'm fixing to grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Matter of fact, I'm getting some spit ready right now. Amen. Hallelujah. So we started doing the 30% and stuck with it over the years and uh, kept doing it, never stopped doing it. And God just kept increasing increasing, increasing. So sometimes people say, I'm going to warn you about that generosity. And I'll say, I'm going to warn you about it because you could be having some outstanding results with generosity that you'll never get any other way. Actually, Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, three areas that you and I are required to be faithful. Number one, he said, is over small things or little things. If you can be faithful with a little bit, he said, I'll give you much. Faithful in that which is another man. He said, if you're faithful in that which is another man, I'll give you that which is your own. 
And then he said, if you're faithful when it comes to money, I'll commit to you true riches. All right, now listen close. Being faithful in the area of your finances with generosity, the Lord said this to me. He said, if you're faithful financially, he said, I'll do things for you that money could never do for you. In other words, generosity does not just affect your finances. All right, let's try this side over here. Come on, we're not just talking about money here, but generosity affects you spiritually. It affects your heart and how you receive the word of God, the value you put on the kingdom of God and the gospel of Christ. And so I have a good pastor friend named Pastor Bruce Black, pastors in Atlanta area, and uh, he traveled with Dad Hagen for a number of years, and, and uh, I know Jim also did. So, you know, he was fixing the pastor church, so he said he was sitting with Dad Hagen, you know, after one of the meetings, and he, he said, uh, he asked him a question. He said, um, Dad Hagen, he said, if you were looking for a leader in your church or your ministry, what would be the number one characteristic you would look for in a leader? He said, Dad Hagen never blinked an eye. He just responded immediately. He said, generous. You know, there's a lot of characteristics you look for in a leader, but the first thing Dad Hagen said is generous. He said, because a man or a woman who is not generous will shut down the move of the Spirit of God. Oh, in other words, there's something about generosity. Come on, imagine a guy by the name of Carneas in Acts chapter 10. Listen, he's not really what you'd call a Christian. He loves God. He believes in God. He's hungry for God. And he's hungry for God. And it says, and his prayers and his generosity, his giving came up before God. And God said what? I'm going to have to do something at his house. So angels went on assignment. Come on, here comes the apostle Peter to the house. And his whole family got filled with the Holy Spirit. I would really rather my children and grandchildren and my whole family filled with the Holy Spirit than any amount of money in the whole world. Come on, to have my children serving the Lord, have my grandchildren serving the Lord. Amen? But you can see Carnea's spiritual hunger, his hunger for God was reflected in two areas. Number one, his prayers, hungry for God. Number two, his giving. Did you know that generosity can be an expression of spiritual hunger? All right, let's try this side of way. Did you know sometimes your next breakthrough in the will of God, the blessing of God, may come not just by your praying, but by your giving? Are y'all still here? All right, look at 1 Chronicles 29 real quickly here. I'm going to go as fast as I can, and y'all just, I usually stay on this until y'all get happy. <laughs> the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. First Chronicles 29, I'll summarize this for you. I have a good friend, Dr. Avery Jackson, uh, and he is in Detroit, and he's on the board of Kenneth Copeland's ministry, and we just became close friends. He's a brain surgeon. He's a brilliant man, and he loves my jokes. 
<laughs> and I was just at Bishop Butler's church there, and we had a Holy Ghost meeting at so much joy, it was just like, and I thought, who is this guy on the front row laughing and having so much fun? They said, well, that's our brain surgeon. <laughs> I said, wow, I didn't know me and him both smart guys. I mean, maybe we can get along. So, so we have a lot of fun, and he said this, as a brain surgeon, he said, there is a pleasure center in your brain that only lights up when you're giving. All right, let's try that one more time. Some of y'all may not have got lit in a while. But there, there's a pleasure center in your brain that only lights up when you're giving. In other words, God created you to be happy when you're giving. Glory to God. Amen. Now, here is, is 1 Chronicles 29. I'll summarize it for you real quickly here. But it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. You should go home, read the whole chapter, and read it a while and kind of look at it. But, but Dad Hagen said this because I'm learning from him, listening to him, because I don't want to get things out of proportion. You want to keep things in right proportion according to the Scriptures. And so, so he was talking about finances in one of his uh, messages. And he said this, now don't get me wrong, he said, I've been just as anointed when receiving an offering for the ministry as I was ever anointed in a healing meeting. Man, that went off on the inside of me because I thought, man, Dad, hey, and he's anointed. I mean, people heal of every kind of terminal disease and sickness. Then he said, I, that's very valuable and very important. He said, but don't get me wrong. I have been just as anointed in receiving an offering for the ministry. Come on, for the gospel. I've been just as anointed as I was ever anointed in a healing meeting, just as anointed when people were giving. Interesting, isn't that? Interesting, isn't that amazing? In other words, while people were giving, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I've been in those offerings at Rhema Day, and you know, you go to Rhema Day, and Dad Hagen would say, you know, today's Rhema Day. And so, <laughs> I love it because I went one year, and one guy said, uh, I'm going to match what everybody else gives tonight on Rhema Day. Well, this guy, I forgot his name, Barry Hahn, I think it was, and he, he, he said, I'm going to match whatever. Well, that night, everybody gave a million dollars cash, and Barry Hahn stepped up and said, I'm going to match it, what everybody, and he gave a million. So they asked him, what did, how did you do that? He said, because I started feeding on the Word filled with the Holy Ghost, meditating the Word of God, and I went into business. He said, I turned $300 into $30 million. Now, most people could do the opposite. But he said, I got led by the Holy Ghost. He said, I turned $300 by listening to the Holy Spirit, by meditating the Word. I turned $300 into $30 million. It's my joy to give a million dollars tonight. Amazing. Uh, sometimes I sit in a service and I say, I'm going to match my row. I bet I cannot give everybody on this row, huh? How about two rows? Uh, well, maybe a section. Anyway, to, to, to be the, the generous giver. And what happens, he was just saying, I'm so thankful for the word. I'm going to give so other people can get that word. 
Actually, Galatians 6, 6, the apostle Paul says that. He said, when you receive instruction in the word of God, you share all good things with your teacher. I don't think you could accuse the apostle Paul of trying to get money out of people. Let's try this side. I got two grunts and a couple of nods. Listen, I said, I don't think you could accuse the apostle Paul of trying to get money out of anybody. But he said, there's a key to the word growing and multiplying. And there's a key to how you receive revelation knowledge. Because when you receive revelation, when you give, it opens your heart and saying, God, I value your word more than money. All right, here's the way the Lord said to me. He said, you can, not really necessary, but I will receive it. We'll put it right here for right now, all right? It's important. Now, the Lord said to me, he said, you can steal information, but you can never steal revelation. All right, let's try this out. In other words, you can sneak into church. You can sneak out. You can say, whoo, missed the offering. In other words, and I, I got to hear the same message. You can steal the information, but only God unlocks revelation. So the Lord said it to me this way. He said, God's kingdom system of revelation knowledge has never been hacked. Nobody's ever broken into it. If you got into it, you must have been granted access. Woo, come on now. And so you can see the generosity your next breakthrough may just be just as connected to your generosity as it is to your praying, all right? Look at 1 Chronicles 29 real quickly because this is one of my favorite chapters. And this whole chapter, I look at whole chapters and uh, it came time to give, you know, for the house of God, the temple of God to be built. And uh, David was a man, what? After God's own heart. That's God's testimony. And so when it came time to build it, then, then David said this. He said, I have set my affection on the house of God. I set my what? My affection. I prepared with all of my might. Now, you got to love David because he's one of those all of my might kind of guys. All right, let's try this out. I played on a championship football team, and I had a rough coach, but we won every game. And my coach, if you were given half effort, he had another word for that. But he said, I'm tired of your half blank. And he said, and you're going to have to give 100%. That means with all of your might or the best of your ability. So when it came time to give, David said, I prepared with all of my might. What else? When it came time to dance, David said, I danced with all of my might. So he went like, uh-huh. Wonder if anybody's watching. No, he danced with all of his might. He said it was before the Lord because the Lord brought me out of the sheepfold. The Lord's the one that made me king. Everybody say all of his might. So when it came time to give, David said, with all of my might, I have prepared. I set my affection. And he said, and I'm going to give over and above. So I probably read that 40 years ago, and the Lord said to me, over and above. He said, that's not my tithe. That's not my regular giving. That's over and above my regular giving. I said, over and above. 
And the Lord said, over and above, giving will produce over and above living. Ah, in other words, you're not going to give your way into decrease. All right, let's try this out over here one more time. Come on, God's plan is not for you to be a tither and a giver and, and give yourself broke. God said, you're going to give yourself, and I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You don't even have room enough to receive it. So God's not planning on you giving yourself poor because that's not his will to start with. He's planning on you and I giving and what? Increasing. Your barns filled with plenty. Well, years ago, I brought a preacher friend over to my house and he is a ministry that we supported. And as soon as he got to my house, I could tell he was mad. Somebody said, well, he didn't like your house. I said, no, he liked my house. He didn't like his house, apparently. But anyway, <laughs> so he came to my house. I could tell he's mad. Then he saw my, my truck. I always drive trucks mainly. You know, I drive a Raptor truck, Ford Raptor, you know, nice truck, you know, fast and do off-road stuff, you know. So he saw my truck. When he saw my truck, he said, why do you have a truck like that? I said, because that's the one I like. God didn't make them all for the devil or the devil's kids. I mean, I mean, they must belong to some of God's kids, and so I got me one. Yeah. You know, God will bless you so much, he'll use you as advertisement. Yeah. Are y'all still here? I said, he'll use you as advertisement he'll, of how well he treats his kids. Come on, Smith Wigglesworth said, my father God always takes care of me in grand style. Come on, watch your mouth, watch your words. Come on, and you see the economy and stuff going on. You say, you know, my Father God always takes care of me in grand style. So this preacher, he got upset. He saw my, he saw my truck, you know, and I actually supported his ministry, you know. He said, why? He said, you could have given that to missions. I said, glad you brought that up. I actually give significantly to missions. You know, you're one of them. He said, you could have given that to missions. I said, well, I actually do give to missions, and that's how I got the truck. <laughs> what I'm wondering is why you don't have one. <laughs> ah. Come on, God's not planning on you tithing and sowing and giving and decreasing. God said, I will multiply your seed sown. I will make all grace abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Yes. Hallelujah. So when David started giving, after David gave, he told how much he gave. It's really the one place, it must be scriptural to do it sometime. Because David said, here's how much I'm going to give. Well, he couldn't give a check, so he brought gold and silver and wagons and stuff. So I figured up how much David gave, but I figured this up 30-something years ago, so it's much more than that now. But I figured it up years ago, and it was $1.5 billion. David said, this is not my tithe. This is just because I have set my affection on the house of God. 
Have you ever noticed how some people tithe? They're like, is that before tax or after tax? <laughs> Listen, camel breath, go ahead and do the, the bigger side of it. Uh, and then I'll say, uh -huh. They say, uh, you think I go to hell if I don't tithe? I say, oh, well, I don't know. I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> but I wouldn't risk going to hell forever for 10% of nothing, I can tell you that. So I'm not in charge of that, though. I don't think so, but I wouldn't bet my life. <laughs> Y'all looking around like, you think you think that? Anyway, so David, David gave one and a half billion dollars, turned to his mighty men and said, all right, how much y'all gonna give? <laughs> Don't get uncomfortable. Come on, David's a giant killer, killing bears and lions, you know. He killed 10,000 Philistines. If you ever got in a fight, you'd like to have him on your side. I mean, when he danced, he didn't have no leotards on. I mean, this is a bad man here when he killed 10,000 Philistines. He wasn't... Tiptoe through the tubes. In other words, man, he's, he's a tough guy. So when he danced, nobody laughed. So when David <laughs> gave, he turned to his mighty men and said, you know, what y'all going to do? So his mighty men are the same men that were distressed, discontent, and in debt before they met David. When they came to David, he taught them about the God of the blood covenant. He taught them about the presence of God. He taught them about the word of God. And these guys got to know God. They caught the same spirit of faith that David had. And these 400 men started giving. And they gave two and a half billion dollars. They had a four billion dollar day at church. Wouldn't that be nice if you had to have, you know, one of them armored cars come out here every Sunday, you know, just to pick up the money? Come on, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. God never designed for his children to be broke. So David's mighty men, they gave generously, and then it says, and they rejoiced with great joy. So I wrote this down. I said, uh, a lot of people would like to sing like David sang. And some people might want to dance like David danced. But you ain't going to find a lot of people who want to give the way David gave. <laughs> Did you know you can actually worship without singing. Are y'all still here? I said, you can worship God without singing. Come on, here's a few examples. In Philippians chapter four, Paul said, not because I desire a gift. He said, but you gave once and you gave again and your giving came up before God like a sweet aroma of worship. Your giving. And he said, and now my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. In other words, he said, you gave once and then you gave again. Most people probably think, I already gave one. None of y'all thought that tonight, did you? Anyway, she's like, I already gave one. 
He said, you gave once, then you gave again, and your generosity got God's attention. All right, here's the way Dad Hagen used to do it on Rama, Rama Day, Rama Night, you know. I had a lot of preacher friends that wouldn't go on Thursday night because they knew it's going to be a two-hour offering. <laughs> a lot of preacher friends, they'd say, well, are you going tonight? You're going to take an offering for two hours? Come on, we can go out and eat or something like that. I said, no, I'm going on offering night. I want him to know that I didn't come just to get word. I came to help in the vision, and I want him to know that I'm there. So my little broke preacher friends that didn't go on Thursday night, I've noticed they're still broke today. So I would go to the meeting, and I'd always prepare a special offering. He, Dad Hagen, would say, special offering, because we already given him the conference. And then he said, now on Rhema Day, we're going to give a special offering so the word of faith can go around the world. And so he'd say, whatever he's going to give, <laughs> just double it. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, gut check here, right? So this particular time, I'd always, I started off bringing $100 you know, because I've been going to those meetings for 40 years. Then I got to where I could bring $200 and $500. Then I got to where I could bring $1,000. And this time I brought uh, $5,000. And Dad Hagen got up and said, whatever he's going to give, just double it. Huh. So I looked at Trent and I said, no, maybe not. <laughs> Come on, you need to ask your wife, you know, a few things every now and then. So I asked your wife. What do you think about this baby? You know, about 5,000. He said, double it. What do you think I ought to do? She said, just double it. I went, well, now that's not exactly what I was looking for from you. I mean, I'm looking for someone to be more reasonable, you know? So, in that case, as I was a pastor at that time, so I brought $5,000. Well, in the church, in the ministry, we were believing God for $100,000. We had a million dollars worth of bills, so we're believing for 100000 We really needed a million. So I told the secretary, start saving up some money so that we can pay off all the bills, you know, the property and everything. Start saving up money. And she looked like me like I was out of my mind. <laughs> and where are we going to save the money from? <laughs> I'm like, just do what the man of faith tells you. So anyway, so she started saving up some money, you know, for the, the ministry of the church. So we got up to, we got up to $12,000 in savings. We were believing for $100,000, really need a million. So I took $5,000 out of savings. I'm going to grab a corn stalk. <laughs> I'm going to swing out over hell. I just wasn't planning on swinging that far, you know what I mean? <laughs> How many ever explained to the Lord that you're already generous? <laughs> How does that conversation usually go? It's like, How many of you know the Lord deal with you about giving something and you say, I'm already generous? Come on, you don't want that on your tombstone. Here lies stingy. Somebody says, well, I'm just conservative. No, we know you're stingy. So here lies... Come on, say, I'm frugal. Frugal's good at Walmart. It just don't work well in the kingdom of God. 
So, I brought 5,000. I explained to the Lord, that's pretty generous. Probably giving more than this section right here. I saw a few broke preachers around there. I said, I'm probably giving more than they are. How many like to just compare yourself, you know? So, he said, whatever you're going to give, double it. So I asked Trina, she said, I just double it. I said, well, Lord, you know, I need to have 12,000. It took me a long time to get 12,000. I need 100,000. I really need a million. I got the 12,000. I already took out five. I only got seven left. <laughs> if I give another five, I only have two left. <laughs> you act like God can't really count, you know, like, now let me explain how math works. So, I had a preacher friend that was sitting next to me, and he was peeking. How many ever peek at somebody while they're giving it? I said, I'm going to hit you right in the mouth if you don't quit peeking at my office. So, he's peeking over there. So, so I just doubled it. I said, all right, well, let's, we'll swing out a little further here. <laughs> so, I doubled it, gave 10000 right? Yeah, anybody want to know what happened after that? Absolutely nothing. Let me just tell you this. So I gave 10,000. <laughs> you know, we kind of survived, but I was driving home. I had giver's remorse all the way home. I'm like, oh, God. How many of y'all ever had giver's remorse? You're like, I don't know. I got excited or something. I don't know what I was. Then the devil, you know, the devil start talking to your mind. He's like, he's like, you stupid, stupid. <laughs> then the devil say, what you going to do if all that giving don't work? I said, uh, it ain't going to be good, I can tell you that. <laughs> so then the Lord spoke to me and said, never back down from the devil. He said, you tell the devil, devil, what you going to do when it does work? Devil, what you going to do when God multiplies my seed sown and the grace of God breaks out and he opens the windows of heaven? What you going to do then? Praise the Lord. So I won that, got home, nothing happened. Nothing happened for a month. Nothing happened two months. Come on, we're doing all right, but nothing supernatural happened. Third month. A guy comes into the church and gave $100,000 in the offering. Hmm. I heard the secretary scream. I thought, well, a snake got loose in the office or something. <laughs> secretary screamed, somebody just gave $100,000! That was the first time, but not the last time. Many, many times that happened until we went over $1 million to people at the bank were saying, that church got a lot of money down there. <laughs> In other words, here's when the Lord said this to me. Listen close. He said, your sowing will always outperform your savings. All right, let's say it this way. Because a few years later, I was in the same meeting and I brought $50,000. And he said the same thing. I'm like, why can't I figure this out and bring 25 and plenty of <laughs> I 
paragraph 50. I'm swinging already. <laughs> and he said, well, we'll stream a day. Whatever you're going to do, just double it. Ooh. Ooh. So we got happy. And so I went ahead and doubled it, gave 100000 well, I've been saving up money for a jet, you know, for the ministry. And so we've had a couple of different jets since I saving up some money. Get my first jet. I like what Jesse Duplantis said. Jesse's a good friend of ours. And Jesse, Jesse said when he was broke, you know, didn't have enough money to buy a Dr. Pepper or something. He said he was filling up his car with gas. And a jet flew over. And the Lord said to him, Jesse, I want you to have a jet. He said, Lord, I can't even fill my car up with gas. How can I afford a jet? And he said, then the Lord said, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe for it. Because if you can believe for it, I can pay for it. Let's try that again. Come on. Because sometimes people won't even believe for something because they're trying to figure out what they can pay for. But when you're a tither and a giver, you're in partnership with God, covenant with God. So don't be just trying to figure out what you can pay for. So I was Brother Hagen's meeting, so I gave 100000 Then I had a couple hundred thousand saved up for my jet. They said, took up an offer for Brother Hagen a jet. The Lord said, you think you should have a jet? He don't have no jet. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> I said, probably not. I mean, he's like 75 or 80 at that time. I don't know what he was, but he had never had a jet before. He's flying, you know, commercial. So they took up an offer for him a jet. So I said, all right. So I just gave him my jet money. All the way home, the devil said, now you ain't have no jet. You ain't going to have no jet. You still going to be on Southwest Delta American, come on, united with layover in Atlanta, Dallas, and Houston. Delays and planes that are broken down. Now wearing a mask. You gave away your jet money. So I said, well, Lord, let me listen, because I, I don't want to think like regular people think. I want to think like you think. And the Lord said to me, no, that just means you'll have a better jet than you ever could have afforded. I do. I flew it in here. <laughs> Come on, I come from a traffic light town, one traffic light town. Come on, I wasn't even in the top of my class. We were there getting coffee at the coffee shop in the town where I graduated from high school. Turner said, where's your picture in the, in the yearbook? I said, I don't know, baby, maybe on a football team or something, I don't know. I didn't get most nothing. <laughs> but I'm the only one flies his own private jet home. I say, hey, Mark Hankins here. Just followed Jesus all those years. <laughs> Are y'all still here? Come on, 45 or 50,000 feet. Come on, going over 600 miles an hour or something. Mark 1, almost 670. So I told Brother Copeland, I said, Brother Copeland, 
I got a Citation 3, 670 miles an hour from San Francisco to Louisiana, nonstop, 50,000 feet. He said, I got a 10. Mine cruises at that speed right there, and it will go over my one. He said, matter of fact, I think the Lord wants you to have one of those. I went, ha, 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 They say a 10 is like the fastest jet from one maintenance place to the next. All right, so now, the blessing of the Lord Come on. In other words, you can get rich without the blessing of the Lord. But he said the blessing of the Lord will make you rich and add no sorrow with it. Aha! But the blessing of the Lord upon you and your family, you just take steps after step after step and watch the increase of God take place in your life. All right, now listen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I hadn't got to my main scripture yet, so y'all better start praying. Listen, so. <laughs> my grandpa was a pioneer pastor, and he pioneered churches in East Texas. He had had a good job in the days of depression. He quit his job. He's an accountant for a company and got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, called to preach. Quit his job, went out and started preaching. Nobody had any money, so they had paid their tithes, you know, and, and uh, chickens and eggs and all kinds of things from their crop. And my daddy told this story to me. My dad and mom's in heaven right now. My daddy said that when he was younger, he said, uh, my, my grandpa always loved Africa missions. He loved missions, but he never preached outside of Texas. So a missionary came to my grandpa's little church, and my grandpa had actually started saving up enough money to get a car. Not a new car, just a better car, because his car was broken down. Missionary came to the church, so my, grandma, my grandpa took all the money he had saved for his new car, and he gave it to the missionary. My dad said the family was not happy with that, said my grandma was mad. She gave him the silent treatment. Everybody else in the house, you gave away our money to that missionary. Now we have no transportation and we have no car. So it was quiet around the house. Grandpa, why did you do that? Well, wasn't too long after that, a man came to the church and gave my grandpa a better car than he ever could have afforded. Everybody's happy again. But I don't want to talk to you about the car. My grandpa loved missions. He gave to the missionary to Africa. He never preached outside of Texas. I'm his grandson, and I preach all over the world. In other words, I believe his generosity. He died when I was just one year old. But his generosity affected me even after he's gone. He got more than just a car. He got a blessing that hit the children and the grandchildren and now my children, and then now my grandchildren. Hmm. Hallelujah. 
So that generosity to the gospel, every time you give, two major factors. Number one, you have a purpose and you understand the purpose. Number two, you have a promise and you know what the word says about that. You give with a purpose, that includes your heart, and you give with a promise, you know what God's word said about generosity. Tithing, sowing, giving, he'll multiply that. He'll make all grace abound towards you. Amen? And so the Lord said to me something about generosity, that he said, your generosity certainly will bless you financially. But he said, I'll do things for you that money could never do for you. There's something about generosity. The great thing about it is anybody can do it. The scripture says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all of your increase, so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. That wine's a type of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he said, you'll be blessed financially, but you'll be blessed spiritually. Honor the Lord. Wow, think about that. In other words, you can worship God without singing. I used to pray I could sing until I heard you, then I started praying you could sing. It's good news <laughs> that you can actually worship God without singing. You can worship God with generosity. And listen now, and it doesn't matter whether you're rich or you think you're not so rich. You may think you're, well, I'm, I'm poor. There really, you don't necessarily just get some sort of like, well, God said, well, if you're poor, you don't have to tithe. If you're poor, you don't have to give. Actually, Paul said to the Corinthians, out of their deep poverty, they gave generously. I preach in some of the poorest countries in the world. And I said, Lord, I believe you. You will provide that I'll not only go preach in Papua New Guinea, or Vietnam, come on, but I'll come with some money. I'll bring some money. We were in a meeting and had two rows of people from Vietnam there. We were in the Philippines. So I asked them, I said, what's happening with these two rows? They said, well, they came from Vietnam. He said, they make $100 a year. The Lord said, how many hundreds you got in your wallet? I said, huh? So I gave each one of them a $100 bill. They wet the floor crying. Next year, they brought twice as many people. I had to bring twice as many $100 bills. <laughs> give them twice as many. There's a lady in our church, in my dad's church, grew up with her and her family. You know, she's a single mama, and they had very little education, very few skills, so they worked for minimum wage. And so her and her two daughters lived in a wooden frame house together. I went back to, my, to preach at my dad's church, and I, I thought, well, I'll stop by and see how they're doing. So I stopped by there and got into the house, and, and uh, oh, Brother Mark's here, Brother Mark's here. So I said, I'm preaching tonight. Y'all come to church. And, uh, and I said, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all seem like you're kind of sad. Well, Mama is three months behind on the car payment. I said, really? I said, well, bring her out here. She came out, and she said, they're coming to get my car. I said, three months behind. How much is your payment? She says, 300 a month. I said, well, isn't that something? The Lord brought me by here, and I got $900 bills right here in my pocket. I just whooped them out and gave it to her, $900 bills. I said, hey, God bless y'all. I'll see you later. Well, these three ladies 
We're all a little bit on the heavy side. So when I walked out the front door, it's a frame house. I could hear them jumping up and down. Oh, boom, 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 man, that house. Boom, boom, boom. Come on, listen, listen. God's given me a major victory the last two days. I have not stopped at Krispy Kreme, but I still got it in the morning, so pray for me. So I have not stopped at Krispy Kreme. I could hear those, the, the mom and the two girls, and they were jumping up and down, and here's what they were hollering. Lord, I told you, I told you the Lord would do it for you, mama. I told you the Lord would do it for us, mama. I told you, and they're laughing and jumping. The Lord do it for you. I went and got in my car, and I said, thank you, Lord. You empowered me. And when I gave it to them, they started giving you praise. Paul said, your generosity will cause many to give great thanksgiving to God. Wow! Glory! Man, I don't ever show up anywhere broke. Come on, my father is God. He's the almighty God, and he's the biggest giver. Woo! When I was pastoring, we had a rich guy in the church. I'll finish with this here. Had a rich guy in the church, and I made him mad. Can you imagine that? I was younger, you know, had a few extra uh, edges on me. I'm doing better now, so pray for me. But anyway, so I was young, a little extra bold. So a rich guy's in the church, and it's great. I mean, he was the biggest giver in the church, and we had bills and missionaries, and, and I made him mad, Then he left the church. When he left the church, I just sat in my office, and I thought, nah, biggest giver, just left the church. I got bills to pay, staff to pay, missionaries to pay, bill to pay, to pay. Biggest giver, just left the church. Hmm, God's man of faith and power turned into God's man of paste and flour. <laughs> Biggest giver just left the church. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, no, the biggest giver is still here. I said, well, I'd sure like to know who it is because I get the report every Monday. The Lord said, the Lord said, it's me. He said, I'm the biggest giver. The Lord is the biggest giver. He said, I'm the biggest giver. He said, as long as I'm here, you'll never lack for money. I want glory to God. And the church finances went from 10,000 a week to 20,000 a week to 30,000 a week to 40,000 a week, 50,000 a week, 60,000 a week, 70,000 dollars a week. And I got up and asked, if anybody else wants to leave, Come on, the Lord is our shepherd we shall not want. We don't lack for ability. We don't lack for opportunity. We never lack for money. We never lack for money. The money will come. We are the church, the body of Christ, and the earth is the Lord. My Father is rich in houses and lands. He holds all the wealth of the world in his hands. So Dad Hagen said, never talk lack. Never talk like you're broke. He said, always just say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The generosity deal, I've studied generous givers. There was a guy in Texas named Letourneau, and he is struggling in his business, about to go bankrupt. And he's a, he's a born-again Christian. And he said, Lord, if you'll prosper me, I'll give you 90%. I'll live on 10%. 
The Lord blessed him. He made these giant earth-moving machines using World War II. Became a multimillionaire. Hmm. Lived on 10%. I tell people I'd rather have 10% of 100 million than 90% of 50,000. I know some of y'all are trying to figure that right now. You're like, all right. Let me get my pencil. I don't have no calculator on my phone. All right. <laughs> in other words, the increase of God. Change your thinking. Change your talking. Amen. Take your sowing or your giving serious. Come on, because God will use you to be a blessing to the gospel, a blessing to those around you. Amen. And your generosity will do something in your heart. It literally open heaven for you. You start where you're at, which means you may think I don't have a lot, but you could double tithe, even if you only made $10 or $20. Amen? You say, well, my tithe would be $10. Well, I'm just going to give 20 then. Are y'all still here? Then I'm going to start getting over beyond that. After my dad passed away, we studied the finances of the kids, found out my daddy was a 50% giver. Everything came in his hand, 50%. Went to missions, to the church, to the work of God, to the gospel. Listen, I believe the reason I'm here today, my mom and dad, my grandpa, my grandma, they obeyed God. They refused to hold on. They said, let's be generous. That generosity not only caused provision and increase, but it reached all the way down to the children and grandchildren. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord. Amen. How many of y'all believe in the blessing of the Lord? It'll make you rich and add no sorrow with it. Amen. I'm not finished, believe me, but I'm going to stop here right now. In other words, this kind of giving becomes a lifestyle. Amen. Amen. My mom and dad passed away. They, they told me, here's some money we have for you. And uh, the guy that managed those accounts, he said, here's how much money your mom and dad left you. I thought, wow, that's, that's a good blessing. I said, now, I'm a 30% giver. Send me 30% of all that's in that account. And I'm going to give it in church on Sunday. My financial advisor happens to be a born-again Christian. He said, I'm a, I manage a lot of accounts, and you're the first one that ever told me to take the given out of the inheritance money. Hmm. The first fruits of all your increase. They said, well, your daddy already gave off of it. Yeah, but it's my money now. It's my turn to give off of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, what's going to happen when you get to heaven? People from all over the world are going to say, because of your giving, I got the word. Changed my life and my family. Thank you for being a giver. Amen. He says in Timothy, your giving will go before you. So apparently you can't take it with you. But you can send it ahead. In soul. You don't want to be like the guy that told his wife. He said, I've worked hard for my money all of my life. 
worked hard. He said, it's my money. I work for it. I'm going to be the first one to take it with me when I die. So he said, I've got all that money. It's up in the attic. Well, one day he died. So the wife got a ladder, climbed up in the attic, and all the money was still there. She said, hmm, he should have put it in the basement. That's so he could get it on the way down. Ah. Are y'all still here? There's something about passing the money test that Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, come on. He said, if you can pass the money test, I'll commit to you true riches. What's true riches? Anointing. Revelation, blessing, hallelujah. I believe some of you in here, God's got a plan just to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. You always put him first financially in your generosity, in your giving. You watch what the Lord will do. He'll do things for you not only financially. You'll find yourself, come on, pinching yourself. Say, look what that, look at the dream, the blessing of the Lord. Never thought that could happen. Look at that, that's amazing. But more than that, you'll find yourself with blessing greater than money. The peace of God, joy of God, the blessing of God. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to pray for you tonight, amen. This is, might seem like an unusual uh, camp meeting or conference message, but I had fun anyhow. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, God's never trying to get something from you. Come on, he's always planning on getting something to you, amen. Let me pray for you right now, and you just check your heart and say, God, I want to be faithful in this area. Whether it's a little bit or it's a lot, you can be generous no matter how much money you have, a little bit or a lot. In other words, actually, people with less money can actually be more generous than people with more money. You can actually outgive people who have more money than you do. You say, well, what happens? Brother Copeland called me out in a meeting years ago, and he said, Mark, come up here, stand right there. I know him better now, but didn't know him that well then. He pulled me up there, he said, your generosity has come up before God like a memorial. I said, well, that came right out of Acts chapter 10. Now God is going to do things for you beyond what you can ask or think. Then he laid hands on me. I just fell on the floor. You say, what happened? Not much in the next week or two, month or two, but the word of God. Did you know you could have a Cornelius story? Your generosity, your giving, your hunger for God come right up before God, and God will say, send the angels. Let's try that again. God will say, put the angels on assignment. Y'all yeah. believe in angels? Yeah. Angels on assignment. Dad Hagen said, tell them to go and cause the money to come. My, the Lord will arrange that blessing for you. Amen? How many just say, all right, Lord, I want to be faithful in the area of my finances? He actually called it the least area. He said, that's the least area. You got to jump that hurdle. Not to be saved, just to go forward, just to be a leader, just to be a disciple. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's pray. You check your heart. Father God, right now before you, thank you that year after year, we will put you first in the area of our finances. Not just because of the money, but because of our heart and our affection. And we will get into that over and above giving to be a blessing to others, not only here in America, but around the world. The increase in the blessing of God that our, our barns, our, our storage places, our bank accounts fill with plenty. Thank you, Lord, for that kind of blessing. Not only that, but a breakthrough in our lives spiritually. We ask you, Lord, as we honor you, as we humble ourselves to put you first, not just to be tithers, but to over and above, to be a blessing to our generation, to serve our generation according to the will of God. Lord, I believe our giving will affect people's lives and our own family and our children and our grandchildren because of our acting upon the word. You bless our family. We plead the blood of Jesus over our family. Jesus gave his life and we give of our life for the will of God to be done. Breakthroughs spiritually, breakthroughs in blessing. Lord, we thank you that you multiply the seed that is sown. You make all grace abound. You cause our giving to cause others to give great thanksgiving to God. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that we'll not live in selfishness, but we'll live in generosity. And you said you'll bless us beyond what we could ask or think. We're not going to give ourselves broke. We're not even given into lack. We're given into increase. That businesses are blessed. Jobs are blessed. Families are blessed. Individuals are blessed. This church and ministries are blessed. God, you're the biggest giver. We thank you for your generosity, your loving kindness, your tender mercies. You give and you give again. And your giving nature runs in our family, in our hearts, to be a blessing to others. Thank you for that, Father. We judge ourselves now to be faithful in this area, which you said is the first step to be faithful. Thank you for entrusting us with true riches, things better than money. In Jesus' name.